and we do gather because we are people who are in need of rest and restoration and renewal. And we have a God who says, I give living water, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To guests and visitors, glad you could be with us. My name is Quentin Anderson. It's my privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at Concordia University. Uh, and to do that in, in being a bit of a, a homecoming for myself as a former uh, student here at Concordia, it's a joy to be able to serve in this situation now. I did a little bit of reflecting over the last number of days. I don't know if you've watched a little bit of the, the news and television, but there's a few things that have been going on in places like the University of Missouri, Yale, and other colleges. And I have that in contrast with all the discussion and dialogue that seems to be going on with regards to uh, presidential debates and interviews and campaign ads. And I started thinking a little bit, and the question that came to my mind was this. What power, what kind of power, do words have? What kind of power do words have? There's that quote that said that, uh, you know, the pen is mightier than the sword. And we can look at a bit through history, and we can see that there are some of these, these poems that people after people, century after century, seem to captivate something that they've stood the test of time. That there are all of those epic stories that have been written throughout the ages. We can think of contributions from people like a Shakespeare, or think of events like a certain Declaration of Independence, a Gettysburg address, or maybe a speech that talked about a dream. Maybe even think about it in a more personal way. I'm sure you can capture upon a card, or a letter, a conversation, or maybe even it's in a certain song that for some reason or another it's the lyrics that seem to just pierce and connect. See, this is what we know about words when we look through our experiences and we look at history. We see that words, they have the ability to communicate. They can communicate information. They can communicate emotion. And we see that words have the ability to, to evoke or to influence. And oftentimes that means it can have words that are meant to inspire, to encourage, or to uplift. But at the same time, it means words that sometimes are meant to attack or tear down. Maybe the question to ask isn't so much what kind of power do words have, but what kind of power do our words have? How little time do we often spend to reflect upon the impact of our words? This is a bit of uh, my own self-analysis, as I myself wrestle with my own words. I imagine that you, like me, might look back at conversations that we had or we didn't have with maybe a bit of regret. Or maybe there's some of those social media posts that you wish you could undo. What are the power of our words? We have two boys, one nine and one six. We have a daughter as well. She doesn't talk yet, yet so uh, we don't need to talk about words with her. But, you know, from time to time, good boys that they are, but from time to time, that uh, seems to kind of cause some issues. And even yesterday, there was a situation where uh, 
my older son made a comment to his brother, and my wife kind of has just gotten this situation where she kind of has this litany of questions. She says, were your words kind, or were they necessary, or were they helpful? Good questions to reflect upon. Are there words that are kind, or are they necessary? Because sometimes words that aren't perceived as kind are necessary for good and safety and well-being, or were they helpful? So I think when we wrestle with the question of our own words, again, we realize that we have been often, we have been careless or callous with our words. Not having a realization or, or even forgetting or minimizing the impact that our words have. And if we do that, then I start wondering a little bit and saying, if we under uh, if we underappreciate or minimize or forget the impact our words have, do we find ourselves in situations where we overvalue the impact of the words that others have? Well, participation here, finish these phrases I'm sure you all learned as small children. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... All right, I'm not the only one. I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever you say. Yeah, we know these things. But here's what I notice. We have an ability to push through the pain of intense workouts, to heal from broken bones or torn ligaments or a collapsed lung, and yet I notice that it seems that words spoken by another are even words that we have on a repeat track within our own heads seem to have the ability to crush us, to paralyze or imprison us. And I think it's because we give them more power than words actually have. You see, words, like I said, communicate and they influence but they in and of themselves do not necessarily have power. And yet we seem to experience the result of pain that has been cultivated and created by words of others. But then I was reminded that there is a word that has power. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, the word of God is living and active. So the word of God is something different than all other words. It is a living word, an active word. That it not only communicates things or influences things, but it actually does things. It accomplishes things. We could go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Help me if you've heard this phrase before. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God, in the speaking of his word, doesn't just communicate or influence, but he accomplishes his work. And we could look at Jesus Christ. In the life of his ministry, there was a time when he encountered a man who was paralyzed, and he said to the man, your sins are forgiven. And everyone wondered, well, how can you speak such words of authority to say his sins are forgiven? And in order to prove that he had authority to say that and to accomplish that, Jesus said to the man, get up and walk. And he did. Because the word of God has the power to accomplish things. 
To a deaf man who had come to him, he simply said the words, Ephetha, be opened. And his ears were opened. To Lazarus, a friend dead in the tomb for three days, Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And he exited the tomb. Jesus with his disciples out on the boat in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the sea, with the storm coming down upon them, simply got up and said, peace and be still. And they were. There was a centurion who came to him, desiring a servant to be healed. And Jesus was going to go with him to his house, and he said, no, no, I am not worthy for you to enter into my house. But I know this, you have an authority, and you can say it is done and it will be done. And Jesus said, let it be for you, as you have said. See, we have a God who has a word that has power. As we look at verses, verse 12 again in Hebrews chapter 4, it says that it is a living word that is sharper than a sword, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. That it has the power to cut right to the heart of the issues with us. To cut away all the props that we would put up around ourselves in order to demonstrate to ourselves to be good and right and just. To cut all that away. It has that sort of power. To leave us there standing exposed for who we are in our sin. And if you read on a little further in verse 16... The author says this, So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If the word of God has power to accomplish these things, and one of the things that was demonstrated is it has the power to cut right to the heart of the sin that is inflicting us in our lives, how would that lead to confidence to approach the throne of grace? Because we can look to another word, like Romans 1, that says the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. You see, we can look to the word of God that says, where Jesus himself said, look, if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Where Jesus says to each and every single one of us, in the midst of our sin, that roots itself very deeply in our lives, Jesus is able to say, your sins are forgiven. It's not just communicating something. It's not just influencing something. But it does what he says it does. Your sins are forgiven. For it was Jesus who on the cross, in the end of this crucifixion, said, it is finished. That in his death, he accomplished all that his word proclaimed and had the power to do. And so we are a people that when the word of God says you are born to a living hope, we have a living hope. When we hear all the other voices in our lives that may say all the other things, we have a word of God that doesn't just communicate or influence, but it says, this is your new reality. I have made it so. Because my word has power. This whole week we've had uh, time to reflect upon the Great Commission, that calling, that sending, to make disciples, to disciple the world around us with this powerful gospel and word. 
And Jesus begins it by saying, all authority is given to me. All authority has been given to me, and now I impart that to you to carry that to the world. And so we have a calling. As a people who have been impacted by the word of God, to take that word of God to others. And it has power not because it's our word, but because it's his word. To accomplish the gift of God's grace and mercy so that people who are enslaved by sin are set free to those sins. People who were once enemies of God are actually children of God. Why? Because God's word has power to do things. And he said it is so. He said it to me, he said it to you, and he says it to others. Will you join me in a word of prayer?